This week, we sit down with Representative Terry Lynn Weaver and discuss the student-based funding legislation called TISA. Plus, we discuss the Matt Walsh expose that uncovers some crazy ideas and comments over at Vanderbilt. I'm John Fender, along with Gary Humble and Kevin Kukaji. This is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Here's the history, just a little bit of history. So I've always voiced, I wish my, my one regret was race to the top, 2008. Right. $500 million. Yep. Yep, Took us race that. to the bottom. Mm-hmm. We got Common Core, CRT, yep. Teach the Test, all the stuff that I asked as a freshman, what are we going to get if we give consent to mm-hmm. get this money? That's what we got. Yep. So that was the remorse. This TISA is that race to the top on steroids. Mm-hmm. It's more control, not local control. No local. The locals think they're getting, oh, money, money, money. Mm-hmm. And they're not seeing the big picture of what it means to them in the local. John, John, yeah. I just want to point out well, that I, I didn't dive in straight into no, that. I, our, I, our guest, our let's, guest let's just start, came in so. and just dove headfirst. So, <laughs> so there's been so there's been a little bit of pre-conversation conversation happening here, and I. You guys are at like like legislature level, like up here talking about things, and you guys are got to remember who I am. You are John Fender, TC Mitts, TC Mitts, <laughs> the celebrated man in the streets, the, street. the celebrated. Sorry, man the celebrated. Yeah, that that's right. Celebrate. You know what? I'm I, celebrate- I misquoted that to someone the other day. I think I said the common just, man in the streets. No, no, it's the celebrated, the man. celebrated man in the you, streets. You just demoted me. I, no, <laughs> jeez, what the? I'm not trying to. <laughs> you can be celebrated in common. That's true. That's true. But then you celebrated have to have two and you can be because you are celebrated. Common. Yeah, <laughs> celebrated because you are common. You're not an elite. You're not in some favored class. You're my kind of guy because you're Ditto. just you're common. my kind of guy okay. too. So you're well, cool. All that to say, you're like fifty thousand foot view right now, and some of this has to be brought down for those of us who don't know all of the backstory and don't know yep. what uh, what you're talking about. So do you want to hear? Do you want to before we get into it a really funny icebreaker? Sure. I had one, but you take it. Oh, I don't want to take yours. No, you take it. So today was beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Cool night, cool morning this morning. Walked out my porch. It was too cold for me to be in shorts and a T-shirt, so I went back in. But heading to work, and I decided, well, my car's kind of dirty. It's a really nice day. I'll go ahead and take my car over to Miles, Mm -hmm. right? Just just did the quick drive-through, you know, 20 bucks or something like that. We're... Get all the wash, but you stay in your car, and the guy does the wheels and stuff. Pay. Gate opens up. Follow the car behind in front of me. And um, the gentleman's there, you know, directing me in to get my wheels into the tracks. Right. And then he stops me, and he sprays off the bugs and tries to get the hard stuff off and then sends me through, put it in neutral, and I, I go. And, you know, the first things they start injecting on your car, it's the red and the blue colors of— Looks of, like you killed a unicorn. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I never all thought the, about that. That's great. <laughs> all the soaps and wax and all that kind of stuff sitting the car. And then you get to rinse phase, right? And as I get to rinse phase, all of a sudden it starts pouring in my car. Ooh. <laughs> you had your sunroof open? 
I forgot. Well, I didn't leave it all the way open, oh. but I apparently didn't shut it all the way. Oh, no. So the back part of it was cracked open a little bit. And so what I think happened was it didn't get in the car until that point, And then the rinse comes up over the front of the car and it starts coming down over my shoulders. Oh, I'm no. like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? Moving my phone, moving my coffee. But it was over as quickly as it started because I was out of the. Had you been filming that, like you could have won $10,000 <laughs> on America's <laughs> yes, Funniest Video. And I. That's I true. thought of that when I was driving in. I thought, okay, if I'm going to go, because it was a beautiful day and I had the sunroof open. And I thought, make sure you remember and double check, because I always have that fear uh-huh. when I go into the car wash. And today was the day that I blew it. So That's pretty funny. Did you have to go home and change? No, my daughter asked me the same thing. Oh. I, 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 was well, I figured wet. you were soaked. I was wet all over the shoulder. My hair was wet, but I was like, mm, no. I, I live too far away. I couldn't go home and change. Plus, you had like great like pink and blue and purple soap all over you, right? <laughs> no, that was past me. It was <laughs> oh, just right. the okay. water. All right. <clears throat> so there we go. Broken some ice with some non-political discourse. That's good. I love that visual. I'm yes. going to keep that in my head. <laughs> the unicorn. What? The unicorn threw up or what happened to the unicorn? You, you hit a unicorn. You, you hit, just hit, it. Like, hit a like hit a deer, but hit a unicorn. Colors and just everywhere. Colors splatter all over the car. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Uh, all right. We have a guest, Kevin. Gary, well, Gary like should introduce Terry Lynn. Okay. Yeah, clearly, we have a guest. In case you haven't figured that out yet, or, or something has <laughs> somebody's ha- something voice drastic has happened to one of us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never yeah, mind. Should we just move on helium. from that? We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, look today, easily top five. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe higher. As I think about it, maybe, maybe top two. But you know, we've got 132 legislators here in the state of Tennessee, and there are, unfortunately, even in a supermajority Republican legislature, very few that fight on principle and that stand firm against all of the powers that be. And one of those is with us here today, and that's Representative Terry Lynn Weaver out of Smith County here yep. in Tennessee. And if you follow Tennessee stands for a while, you probably remember one of the most memorable moments from this past session whenever we had this patient's rights bill and we had a full packed house and there was a parent's rights bill. Yeah, parents we had rights, a, yes. we had patient's rights and parents' rights. We did. Yes. I was in that meeting. Yeah. And, um, you know, parents' rights, like things like um, parents have a right to look at their kid's curriculum. Oh, yeah. Uh, parents have a right to observe their child's classroom. Uh, you know, the simple things that we used to believe. Don't do any about. mental health surveys without parental without consent. Parental, yeah, yeah, without consent. And you carried that bill in the House, and uh, they never even gave you an opportunity to present the bill. You no, were they just did not. shut down. Told they to, did not. Told to leave the chambers. A Republican majority. I come up to the well to present the, the voice of the people, and I get a motion and crickets on the second. Nothing. I had 16 sponsors co-sponsors on that bill, Republican co-sponsors. I'm one of the senior members. It's pretty busy at that time of presenting legislation. So, okay, I didn't get to all the committee members, but I know all those committee members. And Mm -hmm. as a chairman myself and held uh, committees, I always gave respect to Democrat or Republican when they came to the well to present a bill because I felt it was honorable, the right thing to do. They come representing their people. That's part of the process. We flesh out, we debate, we discuss legislation, good, bad, and ugly. It has to be discussed, and that's the best way to make a best decision. When that was not given to me as I presented the parental rights bill, 
uh, my blood pressure went up <laughs> mm. to the to the heavens. Mm-hmm. I was I was furious. They say you're not supposed to get emotional. All right, and I try. And I do not marry my bills. I don't get married to my bills. Right. But I will tell you the way that I was treated. I was very disappointed. So much so that I went to leadership and the speaker of the house. I said, "This is unconscionable," and I'm embarrassed to be called a Republican. Mm. And um, to which they said. Well, you know, you can. We can have a caucus meeting. We can discuss this, which we did. And I was glad that they did that. But in the middle of that caucus meeting, I was I was starting to see the atmosphere or the climate or the temperature, if you will, of the whole caucus meeting. And I knew that what I was going to present as, you know, having a rule in the way we do things, mm-hmm. that number one, we shouldn't have been able to have that meeting to do that. It should just be a a no given. Mm. You just give everybody the opportunity to speak. Uh, I saw that that ruling, it was not going to make any difference. So I didn't want to give them the benefit of the doubt to to vote no. So I took it off the table. Mm. And that might have made people even angrier. But at the same time, I made an executive decision and I said, "Mm, nope, I'm not going to let them vote me down. Mm. And so we moved on. So as one of our most conservative members of the House... And we've got a, a few things to hit. You recently ran for re-election. I did. In a Republican primary. I did. Tell us about that. Well, we um, we felt very confident, actually. We were in the district. My husband and I, you know how I do. I run hard. And it's a new district. So I had three new counties. I kept Smith, where I live, and DeKalb County. The other three were new. Which and was what are the other three? Jackson County. Cannon County and segment of Wilson County. So I keep, yeah, have to look keep, at my map. Yeah. So these are all east of Nashville, correct? Yes, okay. they are. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and so, key point, like we've talked, we talked about the redistricting. I remember we talked about the fifth, the congressional fifth, a little bit because, but uh, I mean, they literally like drew you a new district. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. When I had Sumner, and Sumner was fifty percent of my vote. And how many years had you served in that seat? I have served uh, 14 years. And all of a sudden, you're running for essentially a new district. So mm-hmm. so a lot of people are familiar with the 5th District redraw. Yeah. Is this was this more severe than that? It it was the <clears throat> same. It's compl- cuz basically the 5th went from Davidson <clears throat> County yeah. to like five other counties. Right. So identical. Identical. So yeah, big big massive shift. Okay. Terry Lynn, can you repeat those counties again now that I've got my map up so I can follow it with my eyes? Uh, the new district, District 40, encompasses Jackson. Okay, purple one up here. <laughs> <laughs> Smith. Mm-hmm. Wilson. Okay. DeKalb and Cannon. Cannon, okay. I see it. Okay. Which geographically is pretty large. Yeah, it district. is large. Yeah, it's pretty much smack dab in the middle of Middle Tennessee. It goes, you know, north, south. So... Tell us about that primary. So the primary, like I said, we were we were feeling very confident. We again had signs out. We were just doing what I always do: work hard. And then, you know, they took some polls. Two weeks out, we were told we were about 10, 10 points ahead. That doesn't steer me to be slow. Mm-hmm. That keeps me steady. And then we get the election results, and my husband and I were just shocked. 
totally shocked. Of course, we get COVID Monday before the election <laughs> or whatever they say. You know, anymore now, the flu is COVID. The, but the common and, cold is yes, COVID now. But at any rate, we were knocked down. My husband and I were just zip, zap, done. So when the election came on Thursday, we weren't at our um, the Timberloft restaurant, which where I norm always have had my party watches, you know, my election watch. And so I called the folks that have that restaurant on Tuesday and said, doesn't look like we're going to be able to make it because I was running a pretty good fever. And anyway, I says, we're not going to do it. So all that to say, we didn't really have ways and means on how to, or did I even feel like it, to mm -hmm. look at my laptop to figure out what my numbers were. Then they, I, were getting, I was getting calls, and by 7 o'clock, I had lost. So hmm. I have a question about that. If you were 10 points up... Do you trust the results, or were there, or were know. there some shenanigans going on like we've experienced in other counties? Kevin, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. It, it was such a shock. I like to say that I, I you know, I trust in in our in our voting, our voting election box. But the numbers that I got were numbers that my opponents got, and to have this um, guy out of nowhere win with. Not just a, a razor thin win. It was humiliation to me. Really was. He won in a grand slam of a way. Yeah, so that doesn't seem. But, put that one up on the. I know that's not the subject of our of right. our day here today, but that that kind of is unsettling to me. I mean, someone someone who's been celebrated in the most conservative of media across the state as right. an absolute champion. Of, of liberty in our constitution. Still, even though a, a new district, I mean, not a democratic district by any means, I mean, it's still a Republican district, just a a fairly new district. It's hard to, yeah, that, it's hard to imagine. <clears throat> Something doesn't add up. With somebody who's not intimately familiar with all of the districts in Tennessee and what the results were, can, who, who was it that won? Michael Hale. Okay. Just, I didn't, I didn't know the name. So. Which, which we think was the establishment pick Bingo. Yeah. I do. I believe so. I mean, the education people, they wanted somebody who was a patsy. Well, they got somebody mm. who will do everything he says. And he's already bought because Team Kid, Pack, who I know you're familiar with. Uh, <laughs> they, I've, heard, I've heard that name before. <laughs> yeah. Well, they picked, uh, they picked him and, of course, spent all their money on him. And basically— There's some bankers on that board, you know, if you remember. <laughs> yeah. You know, one in particular. <laughs> So, so, you know, three flyers a day in a mailbox with nothing but exaggerated lies about the to, incumbent. To, to a new district who's not, who, who does may not be as familiar with your mm -hmm. name as right. your previous district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. <clears throat> were the overall numbers down Very like much they were so. here? Yeah, yeah uh, the, the voter turnout was, was dismal. horrible. Dismal. Yep. So bad. And what contributes to that— among other factors, is always the negative campaigning. Mm -hmm. Negative campaigning just presses all votes down. Was that, like I'm that. curious, was that across the state? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, real bad. And you think that's just because of negative... No, not just because. I'm saying that's a contributing factor. If you, if you look historically through elections, what contributes to suppression of the vote, and I'm not even talking about illegal suppression of the vote, just people not coming out, is high negative campaigning. So people who need to score a victory that they know they can't score on the merits will always go heavy negative just to keep people from coming So take out. that higher, take that to the, I don't know, 
federal level, take it to the countrywide level, mm-hmm. and just the divisiveness that's happening across the whole entire country, do you think that's people just burned out? Is that, is, does that contribute to part of the turnout? It's definitely a contributing factor, yeah, absolutely. So. Okay. So you were targeted by the establishment. Mm-hmm. Now, let's start digging into the, the why. So enter the education piece. I know when I go out and talk places, and, I, and I'm going to be honest, I'm interested in this conversation today because this is one of the things I personally don't know a lot about. Uh, the the TISA, which is our new, uh, it used to be called BEP, our, our basic education, whatever. Uh, funding. Funding uh, for our uh, state education plan. That, that moved to a new formula called TISA, which is also was pushed in conjunction with this push towards school choice and the voucher program here mm-hmm. in the state of Tennessee. Which Hang on, is, let's let's start at the bottom. TISA stands for. Yeah, um, I don't even know. I do. Give me a minute, and I'll tell you. Keep talking. It's, a, it's an acronym for <laughs> it's, it's an for, ba- basically that the TISA bill was. It's now the new way we calculate in a county how much each county gets. To fund the public school. Oh, is that the the dollar following the student? Yes, thing? Yeah. Okay. that's TISA. So TISA okay. is the dollar fo- So that every student is worth so is, much amount of money. That's right. Okay. And per the new TISA formula, I think the basic is like sixty four or sixty eight hundred dollars. It starts there. It's sixty eight. Sixty eight hundred. Okay, mm-hmm. and then for and then for every. So need, my three kids are worth sixty eight fifty a piece. Uh, that, that's starting out the basics. <laughs> and, and and then as and then the the more I spent a lot more than. 6850 yeah, on each right? one of them. <laughs> and, and then the more needs they have, if they have special needs, uh-huh, if right. they have all those things, so the, that's what okay. ta- the, that amount gets weighted. And so some children now with TISA are more expensive than other children. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Bingo. But, that's good. But you've got some some issues with TISA and school choice that I want to talk about. Okay. So where and, do you want to start? This, you're, you're claiming... And I'm sorry, maybe no. you are too. This is the reason why she was targeted. Yes. Okay. All but, right. Well, because so I'm just trying to pull it all I together. Th- be- I think so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but but because look, school choice is the governor's legacy. Yep. So this is his legacy legis. This is what he's going to leave behind. It's what he's fought for. It's what all the FBI raids are all about, by the way. I mean, all gonna, this revolves around making sure that school choice passes. Going to keep Bob, pulling sure. you down to the TC Mitts level. School okay. choice being that a parent can choose where a, a student goes to the, school. The dollar follows the student. So instead of having to send your kid to the school that they're zoned in in public school, you can now get a voucher from the state and yep. send them to private school. Yep. Okay, you can if if your kids the the idea overarching is that we don't want to stick kids in failing systems. So we want to give parents choice, you know, better way to that they get to choose how to spend their tax dollars and and the it's called backpack funding. The the funding follows the child to a private school or or, or homeschool even which again a lot of people were very fearful about, but that's that's the plan, mm-hmm. right? So I know that uh, Representative Weaver has some feelings about that and some concerns, and I want to hear more of those, and I want our audience to just hear more of that because right now in conservative circles, the general sentiment is this is all good, let's go, right? It's going to be great. Well, the thought that you take that money that your child is quote unquote worth, yeah, and you choose where to 
allocate that money. Right. That thought in a conservative circle, an everyday conservative circle is great. Well, that yeah, because thought in and of itself is a good thought. The problem is how it's actually going to be yeah, implemented. How it's in the, implemented and executed. Yeah, because school choice has historically been synonymous politically with the right. And so now let's get into okay. all, the bad, all the all the reasons it's not good. I had to get caught up. Okay. So... First of all, the history is what I shared with you earlier about the race to the top and the money that was given to Tennessee through the feds, which was $500 million. And again— During the Obama And this was when— Yes. Okay. This was my freshman year going in. We had special session to actually vote on race to the top monies. But this was the first administration of Obama? Uh, Bredesen. Yeah. It was Bredesen. Oh, okay. Bredesen in the state, but it was 2008, right, when yeah, Obama— so yes. Obama's first term. Yes, yeah. okay. Obama's first term, yes. And I went in in 2009, so, so in 2009, we're talking about this race to the top money and Bredesen— is the governor. And so just, I mean, freshman wide-eyed here trying to learn all this stuff all at once. But I just had a gut feeling about something, which is pretty principled in government. When you get money from someone or something, it comes with strings and ties. Mm. Always. Always does. And so... As I said, over the last, you know, 14-some years, we have been chasing to get rid of Common Core, which we never gotten rid of Common Core in the state of Tennessee. They changed the name right. and thought mm-hmm. we were stupid. We, mm-hmm. we just made our own. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're, we're continuing with that. And then, you know, we're dealing with uh, CRT. We're dealing with teaching to test. We basically, from race to the top, our Tennessee education has turned upside down. We've just, you know, took it and just like this, and and we're just continually, we're playing the game of Mm whack-a-mole. It's constant whack-a-mole in education. So we've been busy trying to fix that. You know, they always say, well, you know, we can come back and fix it. Wrong. Once the nose of the camel's in the tent, Mm -hmm. or as they say, you can't put the toothpaste back in in the... tube. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that. I've tried so, that, by the way. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. work. <laughs> <laughs> Very doesn't messy. Work. So, so my big concern with, with TISA has been, well, you know, for 30-some years, we've had a BEP funding. We have used that that has been the the formula, if you will, to fund our schools. You send the money to the local school district and the list, the locals there determine how best to spend the money, mm. which I believe in that that principle now. The locals know best. That's a foundation principle from Fed to state. You know, locals know best. But now they're basically, uh, the TISA to me, oh my gosh, it just has so many concerns. I I, I don't know where to begin other than we're going to lose the local control because it's all going to be funneled through the department. And my questions of who who in the department or who are the bureaucrats? Department of Education. Uh, yes. State Department me. of Education. Mm-hmm. Okay. So who in the Department of Education is going to ter- determine how much little Johnny needs over here after the basic funding of 6850? What are the weights? What are the things that little Johnny's going to need? And who's going to make those decisions, wrong or right? And so that's one of my main concerns. There's no incentive in the whole world of TISA to uh, have less weights, if you will, have solution, have Mm -hmm. a result. Okay, little Johnny can't read, so does he need more RTI? Does he need need a tutor? Does he need all these things? There's no incentive that Johnny gets it. 
You will constantly be needing the monies because the schools are going to get the money. So the point is, everybody's going to be, the weights are going to be at its max. Yeah. Mm. I want to make sure okay. that, that listeners that understand that. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the way the formula is structured, it, it incentivizes the students to uh, accentuate more needs of their students. Always. The, needy, 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 right. needy. Yeah. The, the, you're never going to end up in a situation where you spend less money on a student. You need... Because the more the need, the more the money. That's right. Okay. And so they want more needy children, or they want to somehow say little Johnny has all these issues so that they can increase the amount that he costs, because if they can do that, they're going to they're gonna increase the amount of Because if this child's funding. excelling great, then we don't need extra money. Mm-hmm. To, you got it. I got it. Okay. All right. And in the way that the incentives are structured, and may, maybe this will take you somewhere... Correct me if I'm wrong. When I when I looked at Tisa the little bit that I did, uh, I need to a lot more. It reads to me a lot like wealth redistribution. Yeah, it's welfare. Because the way yeah, the formulas are, it has nothing to do with your local tax base anymore. No, at all. No. Mm-mm. So wait, no, hang on, dive into that a little bit more. Like, explain that. Well, like typically. That's why some counties are more expensive than others, according to your your property values, whatever. And you know, you would expect that that money you're paying into property taxes that, to some great degree, stays in your county. It stays in your local school district, right? Because right. property taxes go to the school. Go to the That's schools. Right. You're right. funding your local schools. That's mm-hmm. how it's always been. Mm-hmm. Right. Tisa dismantles that completely. Mm-hmm. I think that's not true anymore. The, the, so are you saying our property taxes are now going into a general fund that is distributed across the state rather than mm, county by county? It's a question. That, that well, I mean, that's part of the guts of TISA that we don't know So yet. we don't know that We don't yet. know where uh, that's well, going. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a big problem. But the way I read it, the way I read it is it feels like, for, for example, Williamson County is paying all these property taxes, which should be funding our schools. But at the end of the day, Hickman County now has a higher propensity of students in need. Mm-hmm. Those weights that Representative Weaver mentioned mm-hmm. are existing now to a per capita higher degree in Hickman. Their students are more needy. And so Tease is going to say, well, that's more expensive, and it's going to funnel the money there. And it's not going to care so much about where the property taxes come from because now we're funding the student and all we care about is well hickman county's got five thousand students and here's how much they all cost here's a check and so it to me it's it's literally it's it's wealth it's going to be it's going to equate in my mind oh i see what you're saying we're going to redistribute from wealthier counties to more impoverished counties and so so tisa tisa is Currently enacted, it's a thing. It's a thing right now. No, the oh. lo- the legislator passed the TISA way to fund. Okay, a okay. funding mechanism. But when does it actually begin to get funded that way? Is it twenty twenty four? Twenty twenty three, twenty four. Okay, so so not this. 
No. Next school year. Next school year. <laughs> well, what right now our schools are still still haven't spent the ESSER money yet from the federal government. Yeah. Well, we don't, so we got, don't have time to touch whole, on that. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> but 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 understand the trajectory of that. You the schools know they've got that right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the TISA is developed to where there's kind of like a cliff of your the schools will have TISA funding up to three or four years. That fourth year, it's going to go away. And then you're going to have all these high-maintenance children maxed out on their weights. Who's going to make up the difference? It's the property, Mm -hmm. the homeowners, Mm -hmm. the people who pay property tax in those districts that will have to muscle up and pay for that amount. So So in that regard— in that specific instance that you're referring to, it would only be coming from those residents of that county affected? That's how I understand that it. Difference? That was one of the biggest discussions we had is, well, when, you know, the when the cliff comes in three to four years, who's going to make up that difference? And I wouldn't want to be a county commissioner in the local district to make up those decisions. So at the very least, we're talking about some potential serious property tax hikes. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. So is there anything else in TISA specifically that you want to hit on before we we hit on school choice specifically? Just that I think every conservative, myself, I'm definitely a conservative, I have to look at all this stuff through through a... a lens of what do you believe your role of government is? And my belief is less is more, less government. TISA just takes it to the max. It's more bureaucracy. It's more department, state department people. It's giving the commissioner more control. They say Mm -hmm. no. I say yes. Again, who picks out who little Johnny and Susie and their weights are? The mental health piece mm. in this is very alarming to me. You know, every everything now is mental health issues. So, so, that, so that's been added in. That plays a big role in TISA now and the well, way yeah. we fund education, mental health. Well, you're going to have more counselors, have more people coming and observing okay, your pause. child. You, so, you're, so what you're saying <clears throat> is TISA is going to introduce more counselors? Yeah, more teachers, more Which counselors. Which introduces more SEL. So mm-hmm. literally, literally today, I was listening to Steve Day's show, and he said, I want to talk about something today. I think I figured something out. I, I think we're really looking at, we're trying to figure out where all of this indoctrination is coming from in our schools across the country. And he said, you're not going to believe it. Counselors. Mm-hmm. No, Literally I, today. Why would you not Steve, believe that? Would, or why would he not believe I that? I would 100% believe that. Well, in, in, in other words, to say it's not the, the big elephant in the room is not curriculum or the bad no. teachers. It's counselors specifically. And I, I So we're going to bring in with more federal counselors. More, counselors. more counselors. That's what we need. Yeah. Yay. But you know what you also have to look at? You have to look at who supported this mess. All right. Uh, <laughs> who supported team pack? So, uh, yeah, but you've got Gates, fund. Bill Gates Foundation. He's a huge supporter of this. And his ideologies are not Tennessee yeah, values. Yeah, which would explain what Bill Gates, at least in the first couple of years of Bill Lee's administration, Bill Gates was here like eight times. Yeah. A bunch. Yeah. More than enough. Then you also have SCORE and you have Ed Trust. You have all of these these entities that are are not our values. Mm-hmm. 
And when you follow the money and you follow their ideology and they're the ones that are pushing the button to get this passed, and you go, why? Because they want our kids. Mm -hmm. And the teachers, bless their heart, they don't have any say. They just have to follow the instruction and take the script. And if they don't do the script, they're axed out of a job. Mm. So I'm concerned about that. And and again, we you know we talked about growing the state government. This is this is growing state government to the to the max to me. This is eliminating local control, which I don't believe is right. Our school boards, our our parents, parents don't have a chance to speak at school board meetings now. What's going to happen when this thing gets up and rolling? Yeah, they're not going to go get to speak at the state board of education. No, you know? but it really and truly, if you think about it, I've had other thoughts, and you may agree, you may not. But this bill is actually a voucher within a voucher. Explain that. Well, you know, when you've got what, I think I heard there's 89% of all our children across the United States in K through 12. There's like 55.5 million kids, okay? 89% of that 55.5 million go to public schools. Okay. So That's actually larger than I thought it would be. So if you concentrate on those public schools and you have a voucher, if you will, in a public school, because little Johnny is going to get all the things that he needs, all right? And it's going to be funded by taxpayers, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to have to go anywhere because really and truly, one of the discussions we had about the voucher bill was how are these kids in rural areas going to get a voucher coupon, if you will, and go to a Christian school that's probably two counties out of the district. You just keep them in the public school. And you just bring everything to them. Right. Again, it's the federal government. It's their money. It's this federal and state money coming to the rescue to give your kids their stuff, to control their ideology, and to control what is being taught. You're not going to get classical education Mm -hmm. in those schools. You're not going to get biblical education, by all means. You're going to get what these ideologies of these bureaucrats, Bill Gates, these people that are not our values, you're going to get their ideology. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a content policewoman yeah. uh, in our school system. I've always fought for good content for our kids. And um, now you're just going to have a, a bloated, gloated government of monies talking to parents that your child is mentally has an issue here, and hey, we need to the fix government's it. here to help. <laughs> so. We're gonna counsel. And what are those? The five most dangerous words in yeah, yeah. Ronald yeah. Reagan always used to say that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the government, and I'm here to help. Yeah, it's the <laughs> worst thing you can hear. Do you, in your interpretation, do you feel like this new TISA formula invites more federal funding into Tennessee schools? Oh yes, definitely. Well, that. I'm out already. I mean, I don't even have to see anything else. Like, on that basis alone, I'm out. Uh, One more question before we move from schools. In terms of school choice, a lot of, especially when I was campaigning, the number one fear I heard from a lot of folks here in Williamson County, because I'm in touch for whatever reason, well, probably because I'm a conservative, with a lot of homeschool families. And they have a lot of fear about the voucher program. They should. And the greater degree of state 
control or interference or regulation that may be introduced that may follow that money in the homeschool. Do mm-hmm. you have that same fear? Yes, I do. Always have. That's on their target. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if you take a voucher bill, and I've always believed this since after we did Race to the Top, you take a voucher bill and you, and, and you take a child and he goes into a Christian school. Now, mind you, I would hope and pray that these Christian schools rely on the provision God has for them Mm -hmm. because he called them into education versus government providing for your monies. But I've always cautioned and said to the Christian school, you know, God called you to this. He will enable you and provide you the funds and the ways to do the job. You don't have to rely on government coupons because it will be a matter of time before little Johnny comes in with a coupon, which, by the way, is not the full tuition anyhow. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the parents who work three and four jobs to pay the money to send their kids. They're paying the tuition. So how's that fair to them? Mm. And then you also wonder, how long will you be teaching biblical worldview? Before you'll have a lawsuit on yeah. hand, and you will not do that. You've mm-hmm. established the nexus. I mean, so, it's it, there we is talked not, about Title IX last week yeah. being mm-hmm. tied to that's already happening. Yeah, government it, money, and, and it doesn't. I mean, that's the history of why Hillsdale College is who they are, right? Exactly. Hillsdale, they don't take federal money. Yeah, and and they weren't even the lawsuit in 1980 that Grove City and Hillsdale were involved in didn't even amount to direct funding from the federal government. They were just arguing at that time for the right to be able to accept students who were taking loans that were backed by the federal government. And the government said, no, even that would establish a sufficient nexus for you to have to implement Title IX. Mm -hmm. So Hillsdale and Grove City from that point said, we're done. We're going completely private. Mm. But it takes courage. Now, they've proven that it can be done and done very well. And I would admonish and encourage these Christian schools to do the same because I 100% agree with you. If God has called you to it, God is going to provide in his way, in his timing for the thing that he's called you to do. So this fear of needing to rely upon government largesse and to expect that the government's not going to turn around and completely change, you know, manipulate the board and say, sorry, now you work for us. Well, they don't have – government doesn't have control in our Christian institutions Mm -hmm. currently. They don't have control in our homeschool. Uh, as a homeschool parent, I picked my own curriculum. Right. I taught my own That's exactly ideology. exactly what we did. Yep. And I didn't want any government yep. assistance. In fact, I didn't even want them to know what my business or what yep. I was doing, period. Don't want to know where I am, what I'm teaching. It's not your business. Correct. And I don't want your money. And the proof is in the pudding because the kids that are taught in Christian schools excel very well. Mm-hmm. It, your classical education, they do so well. They don't even, they can take a tea cat and not even have the poison common core right. baloney and excel well and test highly well because they have a deep knowledge of the subject. Right. Homeschooling is the same way. They do exceedingly above what our public school kids are doing mm-hmm. on their test. So there's proof in that pudding. I always admonish, and I hope that our General Assembly will remember to put a watchful eye and be watchmen on the wall when it comes to our homeschoolers, because they're going to come in looking like, oh, this is a wonderful thing, like TISA, and it's a poison pill. Yep, absolutely is. Mm. So something happened this week. Yeah, let's shift to Vandy. Yeah. Oh, Because this also relates to our guest. Yeah. Shockingly, which we did not plan on. (laughs) And John, you've heard about 
this I, week. I have heard some did of you, it. Did yes. you see all the the Matt Walsh? I did. Did mm-hmm. you see the videos? I I did. Yes. Those videos. I mean, literally, they made national news. Obviously, oh, it's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, there's a guy standing at a podium talking about how much money this is going to make. And I guess he literally quotes it's 40,000 ish for a top surgery and about one to 200,000 for a bottom surgery. And they're celebrating. <laughs> we've got to, We've got to be doing this here at Vanderbilt. I mean, mm-hmm. the money is just incredible. Think about it just for a minute on the moral side of that. They're treating people like an iPhone, right? So how does Apple make its money? Constantly upgrading, right? You put come out with a new phone and then... Once you get um, used to using an iPhone, then you always need to use an iPhone. So now your iPhone doesn't do all the things that the next generation of iPhone does. And so they're constantly able to sell you a product. If that's not bad enough, they're treating individuals the same way, saying the, the, the one person was saying the reason this is so profitable is because these gender reassignment surgeries require, by necessity, multiple follow-up surgeries. And they weren't looking at that as a person. You're destroying a person's life, <clears throat> a person, by the way, that you didn't make, right? Who are you to be able to interfere with something God made? But to look at it as pure dollars, I'm, I'm looking at this. So 100% agree with you. Let me play the other side of that. Mm-hmm. Hasn't that. Isn't that what hospitals have been doing since the beginning of time? Yes, <laughs> yes. they have. <laughs> what I about mean, the dentist? Almost. <laughs> Everything that they do is yes. profit-driven. That's yeah. a good point. So it's incremental compromise. In in at in the early days, you could justify it or they could justify it because, yeah, pulling a tooth and pulling an extra tooth, okay, you could see how that's a slippery slope, right? Now we have come so far that actually trying to change the way a person was made by God is dismissed rather easily by them. It's brazen and it's blatant to people who haven't seen it. But yeah, that's exactly right, John. It started very small, and now they're at the precipice. And so to them, it doesn't seem a big deal to jump off the cliff. Mm-hmm. And imagine how much money you can make off of each person if you've got to transition the sex of each one of them, and then they need, you know, 10 vaccines a year, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, this is just where we're where we're going, this transhumanism uh, insanity. But the point that I want to make, and the reason that I'm so glad that this happened this week when Representative Weaver happens to be with us is because Matt, Matt Walsh breaks this story, of course, and I, I'm, I'm this is not I, keep, I have to keep I feel like I have to keep saying this. It's not a bag on the Daily Wire. You know, I'm glad they broke the story. That's great. They made it national news. They're bringing awareness. That's awesome. The point I'm trying to make is that this whole statement from the governor, we're going to do an investigation. And here comes the legislature riding in on a white horse to save the day. That's bullshit. That's what I'm saying. Because the legislature knew that this was going on before Matt Walsh broke the story. And in fact, I know that Senator Janice Bowling has been knowing about this since 2019 and began working on legislation. And we have Representative Weaver here, who was a co-sponsor on the House version of that bill. So you, you have Senator Bowling and Representative John Reagan in the House running a bill. And not only did you co-sponsor the bill, you were the very first co-sponsor on the bill. Yeah, so, so, so you know personally. We were in the, I was in the discussions right, of those bills. Two years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, it died in 2021 mm-hmm. and it died in 2022. Correct. Now, talk about that a little bit. You, They knew this was going on. Otherwise, why would you be legislating it? Well, again, 
to do an investigation on something you know have been going on. And at Vanderbilt, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. It's like the heartthrob of what goes on down here. Right. So No kidding. So back me up on that, too. I tell people that all the time. I say, y'all don't realize Vanderbilt runs the Capitol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it does. So does UT, and so does Tennessee Medical Association. All these big lobbyists, they definitely do run things. I think most of us legislators are just carry the water pail. You know, if, if we if we have any kind of question or or we pass anything that has of any try to pass anything that has any significance, uh, we get stopped in our tracks. So and, what you're saying is, and we've talked about this before, the people have effectively lost their representation. Kevin, last session I had so many citizens, common, cool. Citizens celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. I wanted to look at you and say, (laughs) "TCC, common, common, cool citizens, come to my office and just sit down after being in the in some of the committee meetings and just exasperate it and just went." Representative Weaver, has the citizen lost their their voice here? That was after our parental rights bill, and. I, I sat there in dismay and, and dis, just discouraged as well. I said, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say here. I really don't, other than I'm just totally disappointed myself. But yes, that's what's happening. Our citizens are losing their voice. They're discouraged. Mm-hmm. And we need to change. We need to change the, uh, the course of the ship. And we need to get, get our voice back. Right. Again, we, we knew this stuff was going on. That's why we put the legislation together. We're having one-year-olds in the state of Tennessee who are being questioned about their identity. A one-year-old, a toddler? Are you kidding me? This is how, how, how bad you, it's getting. How do you question, just as a practical a one-year-old matter, can't speak. Yeah, no. How do you ask a one-year-old a question about no. anything? Exactly. I mean, well, that's— it's whether or not, you know, if a boy—oh, he's reaching for the doll. There you go. Oh, oh the girl see. is reaching well, for the truck. Well, dude, if that's the case, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I have pictures from when I was a kid and I was wearing a dress. Oh, like, man. <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> dude, I, I'm okay, look, a little bit of just honesty here. Um, because, you know, every, this is everything just so, like, heightened right now, right? Mm. My um, my little boy comes in. You couldn't make this up. This is and this was this week of all weeks. How, wait, how old? <laughs> He's four. Okay. And uh my boys are Lego freaks. Like uh-huh. we have Lego sets for everything. And we have one of these little Lego men. It's uh we have a uh it's like Minnie and Mickey Mouse in like a, a spaceship thing. And so he's got Minnie and he again he's doing this all by himself and, and there's a bow and the bow is like <laughs> that goes on top of Minnie's head is a Lego piece. Uh-huh. And he puts the bow on and he says, Look, this is Mickey Mouse. I said no. This is that's Minnie Mouse. He says. Uh, anyway, we had and so we're having this discussion, and he he pulls the the bow off, and he goes, "Oh, Mickey Mouse." And I'm and then bow on Minnie, bow off. And then we're and then he's like trying to be rebellious about it. He uh-huh. wants to do the yeah, opposite. Yeah, of course. So then he takes the bow piece and he puts it on top of his head. I I took it away. I was like, we're done. We're done. And I just, Andrew, I'm, I'm literally I'm yelling, we're done. And Andrew comes, well, what the hell is going on? And Gary's being vociferous. Yeah, again. vociferous. Oh, Sorry. That's good. Where so, were we? Well, back to that legislation. Yeah, yeah. So why, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, 
Why did this legislation not pass? Why did it die in committee or what happened to it that would have prevented what we're de- what they're now investigating? Well, I can say as one who has been in committees or have, has watched various committees, for instance, leadership has a big play in it. And if it's good, they get a thumbs up. If it goes through, if it gets heard, used to, not so much now I haven't seen, but used to, if you didn't want to vote on a bill, you just left the committee room and you didn't show up to vote. That's why I was hoping that this next year I wanted to be able to have a voice, a roll call vote mm-hmm. on everything. You know, you, you're called by your citizens to be there to vote and you should be there and you should be counted mm-hmm. for the vote that you make. They do it in the Senate, but they don't do it in the House. I think that needs to change. But... The reason why these bills don't go forward, uh, Janice Bowling was basically told, well, the committee was told to stand down. You're not going to be able to pass it. Uh, again— And who gives the committee its orders, so to speak? A lot of it comes from leadership. It truly does. And who gives leadership its orders? Why, in other words— It just, would be the Senate. It would be <clears throat> lieutenant governor. Or it would be the House. Or oh, That's so usually how it in, works. In your opinion, why would these individuals— guiding these decisions, who are still elected representatives, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't they want this bill to pass? Well, it's about the money. It's about the people in charge. It's about the bureaucrats. It's about the department heads. The relationships. And those relationships. I mean, there's so many components involved. I look forward. I I mean, how refreshing would it be just to take the merits of the language of the bill Mm -hmm. as we are called to do and discuss those and and really have the process really work. But now it's it's all about the money. Yeah, and so the money is coming from the very people, like it's coming from Vanderbilt, it's mm-hmm. coming from the medical, what's the lobbyist group, the medical? Tennessee, Tennessee Medical, medical Association. Association. Yeah, Medical Association, yeah. who are in the pockets of the representatives and senators who are making these decisions. Yeah, it's just... It's that's the ugly part of it, the stinky mm-hmm. part. Yep. But uh, how refreshing it would be to, like I said, take the merits of the language, debate them, vote up or down, and then move on and try to make it a better bill, or do something, you know, to bring a resolve. So the parental rights bill. I mean, I wasn't <coughs> angry, as I said earlier, about the fact that it was voted down. It wasn't even got given the opportunity to be discussed over something as very important as parental rights. And now here we are, you know, fast forward. Now here we are uh, listening to what's going on at Vanderbilt with these operations and it's happening um, without parental consent. Mm -hmm. Or if the parents are involved, it's it's just a big fat lie. We're literally taking the image of God and giving him the house. California howdy. Right. And And, it's wrong. And I think what's just as important that we understand is that the legislature, not you, the leadership in the legislature which killed this bill, they are culpable. They are culpable from doing that. And as Gary pointed out, we can't allow the hubbub and the so-called investigation, oh, we're taking this seriously now, to be celebrated it's celebrating the fact that they're doing it. I don't know what it's going to achieve yet. Okay, so I was going to get there. But let me finish this, then I'll entertain that question or let you take the stage. We must remind people 
we can't give them the credit for something that had they done properly in the first place wouldn't even involve this investigation, right? They had a responsibility. They denied it. And now they're like the person who wants to get in front of the parade after it's already started and saying, hey, I'm the guy that should be taking care of this. Uh. Our listeners definitely need to know that. What, John, what? No, I can, I can understand that. I guess I don't even know how to iterate this correctly, but I understand the fact that Legislators didn't take the steps necessary. What was that? When was that? 2002. Two years the, ago, The right? first bill was they, that where they could have taken action was 21. Yeah, so okay. two years ago. So two, two sessions. Two, two sessions, sessions ago. ago. One year ago yeah. <clears throat> they didn't take the necessary steps then. Put that there where it, where, it, hmm. where it belongs. And I agree with you. They should have done that. They didn't. Now we have. And then they didn't do it again. Don't forget the second time. Well, I didn't. Next session. Next session. They could have passed the bill in 2021 session. They could have passed the bill in 2022 session. So two sessions. Because it came up again? Yes. Mm -hmm. Got it. Two sessions. Did not realize that. Two two chances. Which shows intentionality, right? This wasn't just an accident that they didn't pass it. Oh, didn't have time. Yeah. But go on. Well, what I'm about to say goes to your whole point where you were just saying that because there's, quote unquote, action being taken now— shouldn't just be completely non-celebrated. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you don't celebrate it. I think it's we just need to let people know that they're not pure as the driven snow. That, that I, And I agree with that. Um, at, at this point, I don't disagree with where you're going. At this point, look, Tennessee stance is always going to be, we're going to tell the truth. People need to know where this has gone. This isn't a surprise to the legislature and the governor's office. However, will we celebrate... If at the end of the day it stopped, it we we get it done. Hell yeah, yeah. But yeah, the the proof will be in the pudding. The proof will be in the bill that actually passes. Well, and I think something else that needs to be celebrated is that what we were just talking about a second ago is the the voice of the people not being heard. I think in this instance, the voice of the people is being heard. Making something happen. Matt Walsh yes. yeah. is the people. He's embar- part of he, us. He embarrassed them into action. And he did his due diligence and he did his uh, undercover work and mm-hmm. got the proof that he needed to make this happen. Even though they didn't necessarily want to. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the question we have for our legislature is, why does it take that kind of embarrassment to force you to act? Why not act We all know the answer to that question. But we still ask rhetorical questions, right? (laughs) It's true. I'm asking it to them out there, not really to us in the room or even to our listeners. It's green and it's got a bunch of Benjamins on it. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Well, Representative Weaver, we're so thankful for your time. I will say you've had clearly much longer experience in the legislature than I have, but in the experience that I have had, are so incredibly grateful for your service to this state. The loss in your election is, uh, I know not only uh, it's a sting to you, but it's a sting to all of us. We feel it. We feel like we've lost a major conservative voice in our legislature. But I'll say this. I know we all believe this sitting here in these chairs, that um, clearly this was no surprise to God. Mm -hmm. God is in control. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm moving on in faith believing that the Lord clearly has something else for you because I know your passion and your heart. You And you've clearly, I think, expressed that here today, uh, your passion for truth, for families, for our kids. And so I just want to say in faith, I'm excited to see 
what the Lord allows and and what he is going to do to lend your voice to these issues in possibly a much larger way than maybe you even thought you had before. And so I'm going to believe that in faith because that's who our God is. And thank you for serving not only your constituents, but this state so well. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Ditto. Yeah. Thank Thank you you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's been an experience. And I'm grateful for the opportunity God gave me to do it. I still believe in our in our system. I still believe in in those three branches of government and the separation of those three branches and how it all works. And I will say this that all of this here, you know, I think it was was it John Adams or I guess it was John Adams who said that our constitution can only work with a moral and religious people. Yep. Yep. And we're seeing where our moorings are being dismantled. Our culture our society, the family, we're seeing all of that, you know, falling apart and being disarrayed. And until we get a hold of that and get back to the nucleus and get back to the the main issue, which is our family, education and all this money and the billions and the millions are putting into education is not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. So that's the elephant in the room. And we try to legislate and we get in there and we and I know a lot of my colleagues work so hard and we, we sweat and, and labor over language that would bring things back together. But in all reality, we got to get back to the basics, and that is our, our culture is, is sick mm-hmm. and our culture is dying. And we have got to continue to, to look at the positive end of this and keep our eyes on Christ and get Amen. back to the shore because we've drifted way too far from yep. it. Amen. And I'm, I'm going to keep hoping in that way. And like you said, I appreciate what you, your comments were to me, Gary, uh, in that God has something where my voice will be heard and I can make a difference even more so. I don't know what that looks like, <clears throat> like, like yet. Um, that will be clearly made evident to me. I'm believing soon. But in the meantime, let's uh, hold close to our families definitely a hope close to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Amen. Christ, who keeps us the plumb line straight, yep. <laughs> keeps us compass right, compassed in the right direction, and keep believing that Tennessee is a great state, and we have just got to keep fighting, and we cannot stop. Hmm. That's a citizen, the cool citizen. That's the legislator. That's any part that we are filled to be in is that we just got to keep our focus on the main thing. So thank you. For thank you very here. much. Can I ask you to close this out in a very unique way? Sure. You sing. I do. Wow, you're gonna call oh, her to sing. Put her on the spot like oh, that. Oh well, I know. I have had. We there are so many of us in Tennessee that you you sing the second verse of Star Spangled Banner, right? Yes. That was the fourth verse. That was the second right. verse. It's my second. It's probably the fourth on the lyric side of it, but but I know it's the next verse. The great majority, <laughs> it's, it's the best verse of our listeners have not had the opportunity to oh, hear wow. that, and you sing it everywhere that I've seen you. Typically, would would you be okay? Right on he's the really spot. Spot. you're really putting her on the spot, oh, Jerry. She's, she's always she's we always on. The, we didn't even I, give her a drink before she. She's came always in. on the spot. <laughs> I'll owe her one now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you do. Wow. So I will sing the second verse. Yes. Okay. Right here at this little table of four. There you go. Okay. Well, all right. Here you go. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, the spirit air 
when free men shall stand between their loved home and the war's desolation blessed with victory and peace let the heaven rescued land praise the power that hath made and preserved us a nation then conquer we must when our cause it is just and this be our motto in God is our trust then the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Amen to that. Thank I've never heard the second verse before. Before oh. have cool citizens. John just admitted that he's never been at one of your events. <laughs> That's true. I just admitted that. That's yeah. all right, John. Yep. This has been amazing. Thank you for inviting me. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Matters podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. And remember, as revolutionary Thomas Paine once stated, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigues of supporting it. <laughs>